What's up, everyone? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio. This is Corey DLG, and with me as always is little brother Nico. That's and me. You, that is you. You are tuned in to the greatest radio show to talk about the things that I want to talk about, because that's what we do here at Nerd Thug Radio. It's true. That is true. All right. Thanks. We got the monster cracked. We are back from the May break. You are getting a special two-hour edition of Nerd Thug Radio. Kicking off the weekend, as always, as we broadcast on a Friday morning. Um, I am house-sitting with tiny dogs, so there will be a dog battle royale at some point today. So everyone just get excited about it. <laughs> like small gladiators, but not in a vicious kind of way. More in a, they, They're annoyed at each other because one takes their favorite spot on the couch kind of way. Uh, they also like to do a thing now. So I'm, I'm house-sitting for some friends. Uh, and they've got this great couch, so a lot of times I kind of doze off watching TV in the evenings. They will just lay on top of me or right in like the nook of me, so when I wake up, I can't move. It's good. It's I have just... I have a great photo of you falling asleep on that couch with the dog laying directly on top of you. <laughs> I woke up the other day to one of them positioning himself to lay just on top of my arm. And I was like, why would you think this is how this is going to work? Like, I'm going to need my arm one day. Like, you can't sleep there. What do you mean? He's, he's, he's just trying to he's trying to lock you down. He literally just kind of glanced at me as I went. What, I, I was like, no, no, don't do that. No. And then I started to try and move my arm. And he's literally just straddled it. So then I was like, all right, okay. So I had to pick him up and move him away. I was like, Ugh, that's all right. It's fun, though. I like I like dogs. I like uh, I like house sitting for friends, helping out and stuff. Kind of have to right now. I'm sort of technically homeless. Oh man, how how the turns have tabled, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anybody who's been following my socials, they know that I've been dealing with uh, mold in my old apartment, and the apparently the insurance claim was denied, and the landlord didn't want to fix it, and basically he said you got like seven days to leave. Um, we've been, May is kind of our, like, we take May to, like, kind of be our personal time. The podcasting in general kind of dips at the around the May, June, July mark. Anyway, this is the slow season for podcasting, so, but also in May, there's stuff that we're doing. Nico's doing finals, we're getting stuff ready, I had a, a signing, and then I had Comic Palooza, then I had another signing, I uh, started a job, so, like, there's a lot going on. And in all of this, I was like, I guess, I guess I'll move out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we haven't really, fortunately, I've got a lot of family all out of town right now. My parents are out of town potentially for up to two months, um, like straight through. Uh, so like, there's just so much going on. And so everyone's, everyone's just been like, well, just stay at my place. Like, just come over and watch my, you know, so truly, truly the Lord has blessed you. <laughs> With at least this weird sense of great timing and opportunity, which I don't normally have. I don't normally have great timing about stuff. Uh, so, like, it is a cool feeling. However, uh, it w- it'll be cooler to get back into my own place. But, yeah, so I've moved out, uh, got all cleaned up. You and Zach helped me get out of there. We got a – it was like an hour and a half long move. I don't own a lot of things, so. Mostly just books. I can, I can, I can say with great confidence – Ninety percent of your belongings are just books. That I would, uh, I would not dispute that math at all. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I feel like. 
You well, actually, at this point, you might want to move it further up. It might be 95. <laughs> it's true. Because we got rid of something. I'm one of those people who's going to throw stuff away when I move. I, I am not a big keeper of things. Yeah, and I mean, like, when you get, you know, furniture that's meant to be put together once. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not, it's like I'm going to move it multiple times. Cause, uh, part of it's not going to make it, but also, you know, a lot of times I buy just simple stuff. So, like, Amazon bookcases. They're $35. Like... You'll survive. At the end of the day, I will just buy a new one when I get where I'm going. So, plus, you're trying to move a bookcase? Impossible. Yeah, the, uh, the Amazon ones because they're two parters, but the back is all one big unit. So it's it's a complicated thing for sure. Well, like as someone who's moved a lot of big furniture, like I I'm so thankful when you're like, can you help me move? I'm like, yeah, sure, because it's like four things. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Uh, I, and I never really will be. Like, when I look at what... Uh, okay, so, like, a couple years back, my parents were moving. And it's the first time they had ever moved. So they had just accumulated a lifetime of stuff in that one house, really. I think my mom had been in that house for 35-ish years at that point. Something pretty close to that. Because a few years before I was even born, and I mean... I was like 32 or so when they, when they sold it and moved. So, I mean, like, like it was, they were in that house for a long time. And then they realized like what they were doing is they were buying land and building property and doing this and doing that. So then it became a question of like, where do we keep all the other stuff that we have accumulated that we like and don't want to get rid of kind of stuff. And like, it was a mess. They were, they were spread out over like two storage units and just they were everywhere with stuff and that's yeah. a mess like i was yeah. like, i don't ever want to like <laughs> you're like i don't need that yeah like and, and here's what's interesting most of it never made it into the new like so they built a bar dominium on their property they then you know that's where they live in now they're very happy they've built their bedroom out they've got closets built they've got their living they are set now they have finished everything they're happy and most of the stuff didn't make it into the house yeah, because they probably want new stuff for the house. Well, part of it was, you know, just over time they had bought other things because it was like, oh, well, we do have a couch, but it's in the back of a storage unit. You know, we'd have to dig it out of the storage unit just to get the couch. And, and it just became easier for them to, you know, just buy another couch at that point. Truly, truly the most middle America problem in the world. It, there's, there's a great George Carlin bit. Uh, he curses, obviously, but it's, you know. Making money to buy more stuff to buy a bigger house to hold more stuff, right? And it's it's so true. It is just the truest, and it's so funny because it, it, there's kind of like a big element of like, why? Like, why are we doing this again? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I you know I'm not a, I'm not a stuff guy. So for me, um, a move has got to be pretty easy. I would think. I don't like, I mean, you know, we put a little sweat into it because it turns out a couple of things are heavier that we that we keep. But, like, for the most part, it's not a hard move. No, not at all. And, like, getting rid of, like, a lot of the bigger stuff. I mean, like, your furniture was good enough that I could, I just took it to, like, a Goodwill. And it's like, hey, you can, you can have this. The one thing that really surprised me was the one thing that I think is, like, the perfect Goodwill, like, item they didn't take. So you had this, you had this like all that, uh, an all black, all wooden nightstand, like solid wood. Yeah. 
a solid piece of furniture. That one is actually that is older and heavy. That is real wood. Like that was probably the heaviest piece of furniture I own. Yeah, it, it's it's solid. It's in good condition. Like all you'd have to do is just if you don't like the color, just sand it down, repaint it. It's good as new. And then they're like, "No, we don't want it." And I was like, "I was like, it's literally the best thing I've given you." And they were like, <laughs> "They were like, no, nah, we don't want it." I was like, "It's solid." I was I literally knocked on it and was like, "It's solid wood." And they were like, "Nah." They said no to me three times. What? What did they use any kind of logic? I, I, now I'm almost curious. Like, no, they took the bookshelf that was falling apart, and they were like, "Now nah, the back happens. Don't worry about it." And then I go to move this tiny nightstand off, and they're like, "Don't even like hand raise the whole thing." Like, <laughs> didn't even want it. That is so bizarre. I was like, I was like, it was in shock because I was like. You took all this other furniture that's way worse than this one. That is the craziest. I don't even know what to say to that. Like you know, you know the scene in Superman, uh, the the Man of Steel. Sorry, where like uh, Superman's dad just puts the hand up. <laughs> like it's exactly that. <laughs> and I'm I'm sitting there, Clark Kent holding the ability to, to have the greatest goodwill find, and he's just looking at me like, "Don't do it." No, Clark. <laughs> what a weird okay all right well you know and i was like it's fine i was like okay is... i guess and to me it's like i guess they just wanted me to keep the good furniture like i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so what'd you do with it did you throw it away no i just have it in my house now <laughs> it sits in my entryway <laughs> it's fine now like i don't know they didn't even want it yeah you know what like i don't know i guess if it all if it makes it all the way through we'll take it back to my place but yeah i don't i mean Find a use for it if you can. I don't know. Like you're right because it is the sturdiest of them because it's real. It's old. It's like 1980s real wood. Yeah. It's again. It's a, it's the exact thing you want to find at a Goodwill. Yo, <laughs> is that a is that a small piece of furniture that's solid wood? Like it's the kind of thing someone takes and records like a transformation video about it and then sells it for nine hundred dollars. Like right. Nope, not us. <laughs> not Mr. Goodwill. He end up said we're not taking it, and I said okay. Threw it back on the trunk and took it home. So weird. So, so weird. weird. Uh, oh man. Uh, <laughs> like an aggressive no. Like I don't know if it was like his supervisor came out and was like, "What's all this garbage?" Or like, <laughs> like I don't know. Like I genuinely so confused. That's funny. That's really funny because that's like I don't even know, man. <laughs> I would have assumed that would have been the easiest thing to give away. Right. Like That's we, what I'm saying. When we were loading the truck and, and you and Zach Attack were out there, and Zach Attack was like, yeah, we'll just go by Goodwill and we'll just donate it. And I was in my head, I was like, Goodwill's not going to take most of this crap. Uh, I'm shocked. Everything <laughs> everything but the tiny nightstand that was actually decent. That's so, I, so I went to Goodwill with like eight pieces of, of bad furniture and left with the best two. I don't know how that happened. Did they take the chairs? Yeah, took the chairs, <laughs> took the took the falling apart bookshelf, took the, the entertainment center that was dusty. Everything. They took literally all of it, <laughs> except the nightstand and then the bed frame because I told them I was keeping it. That's funny. That's funny. Also, I hadn't, like, man, it is so easy to unload things, but not at all easy to load them onto things. Yeah, putting them in the truck was probably way harder than getting them out. 
I mean, man, packing up is so much worse than getting out. <laughs> it was it was dumb as we sort of had already kind of packed the room once when we taped yeah. it up. Like it was sort of I was sort of annoyed that we were moving out. Like I was kind of like, Ugh, this is this is dumb. This isn't the way we should be doing this. But it's all right. It's fine. It's whatever. I'll have to do some stuff. I, I, it sounds like I'm going to wind up having to go into small claims court with him. That's do awesome. Some, Fantastic stuff. Gave me some some bushwhacked version of a deposit and hasn't really said anything since. So I guess we got to go through that. That's going to be That's obnoxious, but it's it's going to be one of those things I'll just file and forget. And then when it comes, it comes and we'll deal with it. Unfortunate. Hate to see yeah. that happen. It, it's stupid, but it's all right. It's whatever. It's 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 in the May break, and we move on from there. Uh, we did Comic Palooza again for the. This is the seventh year we've worked Comic Palooza. Uh, yeah, I think so. What were your thoughts on this year's Comic Palooza? I felt this year was so much better than last year. <laughs> okay, so I do think I think last year wasn't great. But I think the year before COVID, when the storm came, was the worst year, but more crowded. Yeah, for sure. Like, like the year before COVID, that 2020 year. No, because that's the year that COVID happened. So, so 2019 the year, that, year. 2019. 2019, there was a crazy storm that rolled through downtown Houston Friday and Saturday. And they had 20, 25 inches of rain come into Houston. During Comic Palooza, basically, um, and it just it just kind of put like a weird damper on the spirit. I felt like because it was way crowd. It was there were more people that year than this year for sure. But oh, hundred percent. But there was kind of this soggy, grouchy element to that year's Comic Palooza. I feel like. yeah, and I, I think that was the first year it was owned by the city. Yes, I believe so. And it felt, I feel like that year was just, there wasn't any heart to it. And it was very disorganized, I think. And I think that was probably, there was the process wasn't clean probably that year. Yeah. And I think that it was the first year the city had done it. It felt like really corporate and like there was a lot of people, but not a lot of like purchasing that was happening. Yeah. And I knew a couple different creators who basically didn't love their spots and didn't come away from Comic Palooza very happy. Um, in, in 2019, I remember talking to one of the artists. He was like, he had cool stuff, and I, I really liked this thing, so I, I bought some stuff because my friend's birthday was coming up, and I was like, oh, this is this is perfect. And then he was like, he's like, yeah. I was like, I was like well, how much are prints? And, you know, they were a bit pricey, but they're, you know, they're the nice big prints. They're super nice. I was like, oh, that's fine. And then he's like, yeah, no one really wants to spend any money. Like, I was like, at first I wanted to be like, hey, your prints are really expensive. But also, like, yeah. I get it, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's an economics to all this, too, that's really difficult, you know. Um, but I don't hear people balk at pricing. Con pricing is just different. That is that is for sure. Yeah. And he, had, he I think he was, I think that was the year that Anime Monster was, like, the week before or something like that. Yeah, like two weeks it was. Before. It was, yeah. And it was so much better <laughs> because... Like again, anime fans are lunatics and will spend obscene amounts of money on pretty much anything that they like. So he was like, he's like, he's like, I was at he was like, I think he's he was staying there for like two weeks because the shows are back to back, right? 
And he was like, I basically sold out at Matsuri. And then here I've sold basically nothing. And I was like, oof. Yeah, that's rough. That's not good at all. Yeah, like, I'm sure one show paid for the other one, but that's not how you want this to work. No. I mean, I guess if you're going to stay in town, you can kind of do it that way. But no, probably not. That's probably not the way you want to do it. Fiscally. Uh, yeah, it, it, so it's no longer owned by the city now. It's owned by a company called Houston First. You know me, everyone tells me everything. And so I always get this behind the scenes kind of conversations before they're public. Um, they, the city of Houston sold Comic Palooza to Houston First. Now, I'm not sure what Houston First is. I mean, we might find out that it's run by Sylvester Turner and, like, a conglomerate next week. I don't know. But um, it's now a separate entity that runs Comic Palooza. But I, I, this year was kind of a continuation of some of the stuff they started last year that was a good idea. Like mm-hmm. the after parties and the, and the booking stuff late at night again. Uh, really turning Comic Palooza into a, a full weekend event. Yeah, and actually having three full days, well, semi-full days. And three floors. Yep. I mean, there were things on all three floors, and I think that's the way you have to do it. Now, I'm a big boy, and it's a pain in the butt, but, uh, I mean, it's it when you're charging, you know, what I mean, I think it's, I think if you buy it very early on, it's it's $150 for three days. Yeah, or like a little bit less. It's like ninety five if you get like the early bird stuff. Like, I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, a hundred a hundred bucks for a three day pass is not cheap. And if that's yeah. your starting point, like that's rough. Yeah, I mean, and like previous years, it was worth it because it was so there was so much stuff to do. But like that first year in the city, it was basically like two events that they had on the third floor, and then just the dealer's floor. It was so barren. Yeah, think about how. Okay, all right. This isn't really fair to do, but think about this. So the last year that other whoever the private entity was before it's finished the sale to, to the city of Houston, the last year those people were involved was the year ESPN did the College World Series of video games on the third floor at Comic Palooza. Yeah, I mean that was probably the biggest Comic Palooza ever was. Blizzard was there. ESPN was there. Do you remember we partnered up with all those people? Like, I mean, we, we yeah, met we all talked, of those yeah, we, productions. Yeah, we talked to all of them. Yeah. So, like, they're... It's... Every year is different, but it's weird how it's ebbed and flowed. Like, how did that not stay a consistent piece of the puzzle? I mean, I don't know. Low, I don't know if you can blame it like low turnout, but like, like what does what does ESPN care? I mean, like there was only enough seating there for like two hundred people anyway. Like it's, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. I mean, it was busy. There were people there all the time. So like, I I just I feel like I feel like it's a missed opportunity. I feel like there's something missing from from Comic Palooza, but I don't know. I, it, I, it might be it might be that the, either the city didn't want to work with people, or I mean classic city governments being you know they're they're known for their efficiency (laughs) like i could see a lot of this getting bogged down in bureaucracy and them not realizing how 
kind of both nimble and how far out you have to play in all of these things. That's definitely for sure. That is that is absolutely. Yeah, I got. I mean, some of the stuff you just have to know. Like, I'm sure they announced where they're having the College World Series finals for the esports. I'm sure they announced that at least eight months out. Well, like we know where the World Cup's happening. That's that's yeah. not for another two years. Yeah, that's exactly what. Now that's bid on, but but you're right. Like they planned this stuff out, and so it is weird to me. The city of Houston didn't do more to kind of grab that. Again, I just don't think that they they were like, oh, it basically runs itself, and it's like, oh no, they do not. <laughs> yeah, that's probably there's probably an element of that, but also it might have just been the like, common Palooza was so big and important. Like it's a big weekend now. Yeah. And like, so overall, how how would you rate this one? This this particular common Palooza? I think this common Palooza was. Probably the closest to like the original feel of the like the older styles. I'd give this one like out of it. If I was a numbered out of ten, you'd probably be like an eight. Okay, I think that's fair. Uh, like, I think there's it's I like really I think good things that they've changed that they're just never going to go back. Like I don't think the panels are ever going to go back to the rooms upstairs, which I I think is really silly. Uh, it's just a personal preference. I do and I don't. I've really started to come around on the idea, and I, and we can get into this here. I, this is a perfect spot too. I think the people who walk by, it creates a bit of a. It just lets them know that there's other stuff happening at the convention. They're not just there to spend money. Like I feel like it reminds the floor that there are other things happening. Right, I agree, and I think that uh, well. And this is going to be one of the negatives is that the schedule was basically unreadable. You couldn't find the schedule to this thing ever. No, and that is that is a shame because what it meant was there were people who, like, before they got there, they looked on the website from their home computers and had circled some things they wanted to see. But then when they got to Comic Palooza and were using the mobile stuff, the mobile stuff was unreadable. Unreadable. Like, Tons of stuff was happening all at the same time, and you get like one little tiny blip of a square, and you're like, "What does this mean? What time is it? When does this end? When does it start? Where and does like, it start? Where does it start? Yeah, like you just have absolutely no idea. It was completely unreadable. So, like, I feel like that really killed a lot of the participation in panels because even though the panels in previous years were out of the way in their little private rooms, we would still, Oh, we were, like, we had great panels. We always we, do. Yeah. We would have panels that would, you know, remember when we did a wrestling panel. We did an off offshoot wrestling panel. <laughs> we, we literally had only had standing room only. And we were in like, <laughs> like a random room on the side of a building. Like Nico, I never felt like more of a fraud. Like, nobody talked about imposter syndrome like eight years ago when we got started, seven years ago when we got started. That second year when we're at Palooza and we're upstairs for those three panels, and all three panels were to the brim, I felt like such a fugazi. Like, I was like, but man, thank God Joey was still around back then, and like, we just did the QA thing, and I think he knew that I would be fine, but, like, I didn't know that when I sat down, like, because, like, a room full of people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, it's one thing to have a radio show. It's another thing to be like, oh, my God, I'm looking at me. Yeah. 
but we we did we 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 did great. People enjoyed it. We got lots of compliments. People talked to us afterwards. All kind of, everything that lets you know that it did that it went well, and, and they've still let us do them ever since. So obviously we know what we're doing. But like, I definitely, yeah, we were upstairs in those rooms. And they were filled to the brim. But back then, if you remember, there was a printed program, and there was all kinds of like, there was like three different, and there was an app one year, like, yeah, like. I know that like physical media is dying and like we don't think that physical things are cool anymore, but man, I miss those programs so much. I still have mine from that year. Yeah, you're you you've gone a bit uh collect crazy about Comic Palooza, I will say that. Well it's just cause I like there it's a very it's probably one of the biggest weekends we have every single year that I get to like participate and like enjoy myself at. True. So and like, this year we really said, didn't we? You and I both said going into it, we're just gonna have fun this year. I, we had no expectations. We were coming off the break, and we were just like, I don't have anything built yet for the rest of the year. Let's just whatever happens, happens. Yeah, and, and like, I think we had a, a blast. I don't know about you, I had a blast. Yeah, I did too. I, I had a fantastic weekend. Like everything went super well. I felt, and like again, like there's just certain things that just were a little bit unfortunate, but that not, neither was our fault. Like. Yeah, and none of it, and some of it, I think will never get fixed. Like, I don't think, I don't think they'll ever get that level of like polish. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, whoever it was that was doing that, I think is gone. I, yeah, is, I don't like, think those people are involved anymore. Yeah, because like they did programs as like I remember because like I understand one year they did full I think full color programs and they did away with that one. And they did a black and white program, but even that one was like. It was small, it was in black and white, but, like, it was still so good because it just had everything you needed to know on it. In it. Yeah, what if they just printed just sheets of paper with that day's schedule on it? Yeah, like, it couldn't possibly be that expensive. I, You know, I think you might be right. Like, it just like, had those... Give us a pamphlet, like... Yeah, or just, I mean, just one 8 by 10 just piece of paper printed that's just, you know, there's a big stack of them. As you go to walk in, in like a, you know, like they'll have those signs with the bins on the front. Yeah. And if you want to see today's schedule, you can grab one. Right. Because the before they used to have like the floor plans and like, I remember they used to have labeled boots. You used to be able to find <laughs> anything anywhere. You like, used to know, you used to be able to find stuff. Like there was a map. Yeah. You can't do that now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, is this artist here? And they're like, they're somewhere. And you're like, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it almost doesn't make like they still put up the big posters that like label every aisle, but but, but like why? it's almost worthless <laughs> because it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna find this place. It's on thirteen fifty. You're like, where is that? And you're like, I have no idea. The only way the numbers help now is when you're trying to meet up with somebody. Yeah, where I'm are you? Seventeen hundred. Yeah, exactly. Like the rest of the way, it doesn't matter now because nothing else is. There, yeah. there are no maps. There, are, there's nothing is labeled. Like if you're looking for a buddy, that's the like, yeah, I'm yeah. the sixteen hundred row. Okay, all right, we'll swing by. Yeah. Okay, I know where that is, but yeah. like, like it must only be useful when like the the the, the people who get there are setting up. Like, <laughs> that's it. But you though, I, you have really developed this bizarre map memory that I can't do. I realized as we were going, like, you're already the face guy. Like, I die am terrible with faces. Uh, but I realized at this con, there were two different times we were looking for booths that had stuff that we liked. 
and I was on the wrong half of the floor, even. I'm going to tell you, dog, get better memory. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> I have no comments on what happened to my memory. I don't know. Well, we, I, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I, we were, we were looking for the, for the place with the half price trades. And I mean, I was just wandering around that whole floor. I never would have found it because I was on the wrong half of the floor even. And when I finally, you go, well, what are we looking for? And I told you, you go, Oh no, that's on the other half, man. And I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> it's like, I'm almost positive. And I was, we got there in like four seconds. Yeah. It was literally like two rows over, but on the other half of the floor, which I had been refusing to walk because I had said so, I was so sure that what we were looking for was on the left-hand side. Yeah, and then we're walking up to it, and you're like, no, nah, this isn't it. And then you immediately are like, I lied. This is it. Yeah, oh, yeah this is it. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Question me. I have, I have so much useless knowledge, including people we will probably never see again. And <laughs> maps. <laughs> It was it was just weird because you were so again, we didn't know the names of any of these things. These are these are just little you know, Comic Con shops. Like this wasn't a particular store that we've ever been to or anything. So there was no real reason for you for it to stick in your head like that. And you were just oh yeah, yeah, no, no, that was that was on the other half. I was like, I don't think it was. <laughs> it's cause you mentioned you were like, I wanna come back to this, and then I guess my brain was like Sweet, logged it, got it. You'll come yeah, back to we, this later. We could do that. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I, I, I think I would say seven or eight out of ten for myself. I think I like the nighttime stuff. Um, yeah, I really like the nighttime stuff. I thought everything ran really smooth. There wasn't any like major issues that I had. Yeah, I the, think, everyone I think we talked to was like. Yeah, and then everyone that we talked to was like, oh, this is business has been great. <laughs> yeah, a lot of buyers at this con this year, which is good. I think this is what people were – I feel like people were waiting for this, right? It just felt like they were like, okay, now it's time to do this. Yeah. Like an UG finally, but like in a good way. <laughs> yeah, but like yeah, like a happy UG finally. Uh, <laughs> all right, so – we did some fun stuff. We hosted some panels. We were, we did three out of the five that Zachariah did. Um, I guess we should kind of comment on this. I don't know how much we want to comment on it. I, it's a weird thing that happened, but the guy who does the doctor who ones passed away. Yeah. So it's a duo. And, and, and Zach has been a buddy of the other guy, the guy who passed away. And they had even invited him and said, Hey, when we start doing these again, we'll have you come on with us. But that was what they told him last year. And then this year he never heard from them. So I was kind of teasing them that like, oh, they didn't mean it. Like they were just being nice. But it, it does it turns out that the, before Comic Palooza, the gentleman had passed away like the week before. Such a weird little story. I, I do feel like there was a weird moment where the where the other guys had a really nice statement about him. Um it was a real sweet kind of thing. Apparently it was sudden. I don't know any of the details. I don't think any of us do, do we? No. Uh, the only thing we know is that he, he literally passed the week of, like the Monday. Right. And it apparently was unexpected. Yeah, because he was, he was sick one year, but he still hosted stuff. Yeah, um, the, year, the year before he was sick, but he came up there for a couple things, and then that was kind of it. 
and he he hosted uh it was it was an interesting idea it was like a courthouse for like uh fictional characters i did love and he that. was the judge i did love that because he was a lawyer it was very clever i and they didn't do that this year and i guess because he wasn't there to run it but hopefully they will bring that back um yeah because they were a real law firm and they were running that uh and then they talked about how he does a lot of stuff like intellectual property rights and things of that nature so he was really involved kind of in the nerd scene um so you know we do want to kind of you know pay some respects to that if anybody if anybody out there was like yeah the guy who does the doctor who panels is really good you should know that he that he, he passed away uh that week of the comic palooza so two weeks ago now three weeks ago yeah um but uh i do think the other guy wants to continue him and he, and he was talking to zach attack about coming on with him so that'll mean that'll be six panels now that the team's involved in 97 panels later we're just gonna host 80 percent of these panels well did did zach attack tell you about the email he got this year where the the basically one of the people was like hey you know uh i really love some of these pitches but it looks like you've already been approved for a lot of panels are you gonna be able to do all of them like (laughs) (laughs) i like how they question his uh his his integrity like we haven't been doing this this isn't even the most he's ever done in a single year (laughs) I know, right? Like he's done, he's done a bigger amount before. So I do think that's, yeah, I think that's funny. I, what was the year? Like he had like nine one year. Uh, I think he had he had eight one year, and then like no one showed up to one of them, so we only had to do like seven. Oh, that's right, that's what it was. But that was one. That was when he was doing like three. He was doing his own Doctor Who panels, and they were doing Doctor Who panels. Yeah, I think it was like one year they only had the one, and so Zach had another one. I was on that one, actually, hilariously enough, having watched a grand total of two Doctor Who episodes my entire life. <laughs> Don't tell people. They're going to figure out that we're frauds. That was the first time. That was the first thing. I, those are the first words out of my mouth when I got on the <laughs> stage. Everyone should know I am unqualified for this. And you know what they said? They said, Godspeed, right on. I'm glad you're up here. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so something we have been talking about as we kind of shift gears away from Comic-Palooza. Um, it's about next comics. year's Comic-Palooza. No, I'm kidding. I know, right? We, I mean, we can talk about it forever. There's stuff... I, I think we've reached the pinnacle of it. I think the year with the college esports was the best year. 2018. Think, such a good year for that. It really was. I think they really handled I think that was their best year. Uh, maybe these new guys will do something more with it. I think they're trying to. Last year was the first year with the Friday night stuff. Um, this year they had a Friday night thing and a Saturday night thing. I hope the Saturday night thing went well enough that they do that again too. Like, I don't know. We weren't there for that one. Um, I think that's a good idea because the more people who are traveling and they just have the hotel across the street, like, what are they supposed to do at 7 o'clock? Like, so I think it's cool to give them other options because ultimately, like if we had a hotel room there, like at two or three, or if we had a three o'clock panel when that one was over, we'd go back to the room and take a little nap and then jump in at some seven o'clock, eight o'clock stuff and just see how it is. All right. Well, we could be there all day. I have infinite stamina when it comes to cons and then immediately collapse the day after. That's the thing, right? Like it's easy the first day. By the second day, I'm a little worn down. And by the third day, I'm like, did I take enough to leave? Am I going to make it? <laughs> I don't know if I I can't see straight anymore. It's two p.m. Oh god! Oh my god! Bring me more caffeine. <laughs> um, 
but there has been news that I think is important to the comic book industry. Image Comics has left, has announced that they are no longer exclusive with Diamond. It's happening, Corey. It's unraveling before our very eyes, the monopolies. It, it only took three years. I know, right? I always try to temper what I say about the retailer side of the business because as somebody who makes comic books, I always feel like I want to be on the side of the stores because I think that they're on my side, but they're really not is really what I've been learning over the last two years. Like the stores don't care. Um, The stores that want to work with you are going to work with you and the stores that don't want to aren't going to. So I'm sort of at a point now where I'm just going to be honest about stuff like this. The stores are getting what they allow themselves to get. So to me, essentially, they're getting what they deserve. Diamonds lasted these three years because the stores didn't push Diamond, you know, harder. They, I mean, now 80% of the comic book industry is going to be coming from non-comic book distributors. And that's, that's Diamond's fault and that's the store's fault. Yeah, and we've always talked about the the fat cat that is Diamond, the most right. non competition, like the most non competitive, like distributor in the universe. Right. All right. So let's. So here's the new terms of service for for Image at Diamond. Uh, effective January first, if you spend up to fifteen hundred dollars on Image through Diamond, you'll get thirty nine percent off cover price. If you go fifteen hundred to nine thousand, you get forty nine percent off cover price. If you go nine thousand to fifteen thousand, you get fifty one percent off cover price. If you go fifteen thousand and above on image, uh, it's fifty four percent off, and it's calculated by a rolling average of the last twelve months. Um, to me, first of all, my first problem with this is this. If you're the publisher, at that point, what this means, if this if if Diamond is giving fifty four percent discount, and because the store is spending fifteen thousand dollars, then I have to assume that this that Diamond is only paying forty percent of cover price, thirty five percent of cover price to the publisher, and if that's all they're paying to the publisher to print comics, then why should like, what do they do to earn that 20% difference? Because if you're at the bottom level, it's 39% discount. It's a 40%. So the 20 cent, the 20 from 60 to 40 is, is 21% markup for, for Diamond. What are they doing for that? The answer previously was tough luck, go find someone else to sell your books. Right. Now, the answer is, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't, and I, and I, I just, I have a real, I have a real problem with Diamond. I, I just, I don't, I don't ever think that they've done anything to really help the industry. I don't really. I, I think they've been the, such a centralizing figure in the comics world that it's really hindered the growth of comic books as a medium. It's never, it's never gotten back to its previous roots. It's Absolutely never not. gotten back to the mainstream. And, and, and the reason why is because the guy who's in charge of getting it places wasn't interested. Well, because they could, if you have a stranglehold on every mom and 
pop shop in the entire country, why wouldn't you? If you could sit there and rake in millions of dollars from people because they have literally no other choice, why would you ever advance the industry? It doesn't make any sense for you financially. Well, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't if you if you're lazy. But business, really, if there are shareholders, shareholders, you know, in capitalism, shareholders always push the corporation to continue growth because the idea is every quarter you don't grow, you lose. Like Diamond would have lost most quarters because they don't grow. They really should have been actively looking for new places and and ways to sell the products. They should have been advancing new avenues, new concepts. You know who should have been on the forefront of digital comic books? Diamond. Diamond. 1,000%. They should have been the leader on digital comic books. And they should have been the leader because they didn't want to be left out. And they should have been the guy who came up with the model that worked for everybody. Instead, they basically turned comic shops into diamond catalog companies. And it's, and it's, it's stalemate at the industry, and it also brainwashed a lot of these a lot of these people. I, you know that I work really, really, really hard when I have a book that I'm about to go to printer with that I try and get as many stores involved as humanly possible. The number of people who will tell me things to like pre-pitch, even they don't even hear the pitch, and they go, "Oh, if you're not in diamond, I'm not going to order it," or "Oh, I don't do indie books." Or, oh, I don't even look at digital uh, PDFs before I order. I need to see a physical copy in my hand before I even order a book. Like, none of those things are reasonable ways to run a business in 2023. Right. With the amount of content that exists, like, I understand it's hard to, to put your backing behind absolutely everything. Right. And I totally agree with that. But it also comes to a point where it's like, so you're telling me that it, because it's not in your funny little catalog, you're not even going to give it the, the, a chance? Nico, there are phone calls that I've been on where literally I've said, what can I do to get my book on your shelves? And they say, be in Diamond. Okay, well, I don't really want to be a part of Diamond. They want the 20% and blah, 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 and all these things. I'd rather sell to you directly, and you and I just interact that way. How can we make that happen? Oh, I don't want to do that. So there's there's nothing I can do to work with you directly. No. Okay. It wouldn't wouldn't even be a hard process. And that's the thing that's frustrating is that like, they're so dead set on like, all right, I don't want, I don't even want to pay a second person. God forbid. Yeah. And I, uh, I don't know. And what's more frustrating is some of the excuses that, that you might hear about the indie industry, like, Oh, well, how do I know you're ever going to deliver blah, blah, blah. You might just run off with my hundred dollars or blah, 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 blah. And it's like, bro, some of the top names in this industry have totally screwed over the industry multiple times and are still hero worshiped as the top guys. In the- Rob Liefeld was an absolute gangster in the late nineties, early zeros where he would solicit books. He would solicit four different books and he would only publish the one that got the highest order totals. Think about that. That's crazy. Um, he also did a whole Kickstarter for Youngblood when it, it came out after he never delivered on it. Like two years after he never delivered on it. It came out, he didn't even know the publishing rights. What a champion. 
So, like, what did he legally do there except commit fraud? Uh, I'm not a lawyer, but if you offer a Kickstarter for something you don't even own permission to print, that's that's got to be fraud. He was just going to do it illegally, Corey. I, oh, yeah, sure. He was going to just commit a bunch of little violations of copyright so that he could be fined and sued for them. Like, yeah. I just... Jim Lee will flat out just disappear from a book. He's the vice president of Disney of DC Comics. He would just flat out... They were supposed to do a Wildcats relaunch, and it was him and... I want to say it was like... It was it was a big timer. It was like Alan Moore or Neil Gaiman or something. This was in like 20, 2006 or something. They did Wildcats issue one, and then... Or it might have been Grant Morrison and him. Wildcats issue one came out, and it's it's... 30 pages of some beautiful Jim Lee artwork with the original characters that he launched in image. Like how crazy is that? And then an issue two never came. You know what that did? Broke my little heart. (laughs) I just, I'm fascinated by the way the comic book industry has just brokenly hero worship. These people who have just abused the system. Now granted, they built the myth of the modern comics. Like, X-Men wouldn't be X-Men if it wasn't for Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and Mark Silvestri and all those guys. But in Image Comics, in, in comic book industry as a whole, and the creator-owned faction of it wouldn't exist, all of that. But they also turned out to be some of the worst people in the industry, too, on a lot of levels. Like Eric Larson now, I, his book is questionable. But Savage Dragon has some things in there that are borderline inappropriate, like... Real inappropriate. It's called Savage Dragon Corey. You just couldn't handle it. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> when you write, you write. So, like, I don't know. These guys really became like, I don't know. Don't meet your heroes. Don't. I don't. I'm not sure. But like, yeah, and, industry... and like, just because you do something good before doesn't make everything you do good, which is also true. But true, and and, and they were given such an elevated status that they were always there was always going to be a moment they were going to let people down, I suppose. But what you don't got to be coming... so blatant about? It. <laughs> yeah, because what wound up coming from these guys this last half has been, I mean, bad, just bad. It's almost. Yeah. It's almost worthless when you see that, that one of them is involved in stuff now. Right. Which is like kind of, I guess, like, man, you really sold your name for like 35 cents, my guy. Like, I don't yeah, know. I, I guess Have I a bit more like, pride in your work, I guess. A little bit. So, like, when Robert Kirkman came into Image and he came in as a writer and he became the first person made partner at Image Comics in like 20 years. Okay. And he kind of brought back like the mythos of Image a little bit. And he sort of brushed the dust off of the original founders. He, he unified him again. He got Rob Liefeld kind of brought back into the fold. He kind of reminded everyone what makes Image special. Uh, but after that moment passed, it's sort of a dark kind of... They just... I don't know a nice way to say it. They just struggled. It's just a struggle for these guys to remain. I'm not even sure what Kirkman does now. He's kind of built himself a walking dead multimedia empire, which good for him. And they got like five shows going now or whatever it is. But, is he the one that set up like a weird like investment fund for like creatives? Uh, I, I don't know. I can, I'll, I will Google that in between the, in the break here, but I don't 
Maybe. Maybe. I, I think I think I remember hearing something about it, but that might not have been Robert Kirkman. It was like it was like a weird like give us a hundred thousand dollars, you can be part of this thing. And it's like, Well, what is it? And they're like, It's a like a studio and then they're like, What oh, do you make no, anything? Definitely asked for investors for Skybound, which is his There it is. Yeah, imprint. it's that Skybound. Yeah, he asked for investors for Skybound. That's his imp so remember each of the artists had their own little neighborhood, basically in Image Comics. You know, so like Mark Silvestri was Top Cow, Jim Lee was uh, uh, I don't even remember now what Jim Lee's was called. I want to call it Wildcat, but that's not correct. Um, but each of them had their own little branding inside of Image. Um, and then all of a sudden, it, it just kind of when Robert Kirkman got his, it was Skybound, is what he called his imprint. And he's done some good stuff. He's he's also created more shows. Outcast on HBO is a demon purgatory war comic book of some kind set in like rural America, and that's an HBO show. Um, there there are he has accomplished a lot, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure where he's at in the comic book industry right now. So yeah, I don't know. Like I, I feel like there's just a weird moment right now in comic books where I think maybe everyone's holding their breath to see what happens next. I, I don't know. It it always feels like I can't remember what video I saw where it was where I heard this line, but it was basically like everyone views comic books now as like a way to get something else versus like being excited about the medium. Yeah, no, they definitely do. And I don't think that that's the way to do it, although that's been the model that's worked for certain people. Mark Millar has, has, I mean, almost every independent book he's ever made has been turned into some form of multimedia. I mean, he, he, he cashed out pretty good with the Millarverse, selling it for like a billion dollars to straight Netflix. Straight up sold it to Netflix, I think, for $700 million or something like that. Like, right. You want to know how many times they've used it? Like once and it didn't even do that well <laughs> well and what's confusing about that deal more than anything else was that he had already sold like five projects and those are each different studios and they're very comfortable there like they are deep in the rights of theirs so, like they don't they're not going to lose those options anytime soon and netflix would have to do separate deals for those options because they already exist that yeah. like it was it's one a, of those. It's one of those flagrant Netflix purchases where you were like, "That wasn't very smart." In <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Almost everything Netflix does kind of rings that way. Um, like industry insiders will be like, "Oh, they just signed a two hundred million dollar deal with Brad Pitt," and someone will be like, "That deal makes no sense. Like, it's a three picture deal. How are they going to make eighty million dollars a movie back from like from a Brad Pitt slow burn?" Like, I, and I'm using it's a made up deal. I don't. That's not. But like. Ryan Reynolds has a deal with him. Michael Bay has a deal with him. And Hollywood gets really frustrated because Netflix does come in and, and just swoop in big numbers and just goes, yeah, we're going to – well, Adam Sandler, he did like a five-picture billion-dollar deal with him, and then I think they renewed it. Champions. Although, why? I, I mean, it's kind of perfect – Netflix Adam Sandler like the way they've really kind of his five movies came out really quick and they were different they were unique uh, you got to think from the stupid eight or whatever it was called that he did where it was like the hateful eight spoof 
and then he did two murder mystery movies with Jennifer Aniston, and then he did the Halloween, like, almost like Ernest <laughs> goes to Halloween, kind of. Um, those old 19... 19- you probably never even saw an Ernest movie, did you? Nope. Adam Sandler's, Adam Sandler's film career is so prolific that, like, it is I probably haven't even, like, scratched the surface of it. I've seen, like, 20 Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> And some of them do come up really bad. Like the one where he played himself and his twin sister uh, in one. That was yep. bad. I remember but the that. other ones, like the grown-ups movies, are great family comedies. Right. And, it's like a trilogy and, of those now. It probably is. And then Uncut Gems is this crazy real movie, for lack of a better word. And like the guy he plays in that is insane. The movie is he Adam Sandler's really kind of turned himself into somebody, and Netflix, to their credit, got it right. So maybe maybe they are the only ones who know what they're talking about. Well, I feel like Netflix's approach is I'm going to throw all the darts at the board, and usually those some of those will at least be right. Well, I feel like that's what they're doing. They were like, where Mark Millar was like, you could have the whole Millar verse, and they were like, sweet, I want the whole thing. Yeah. No, and that, that might be true, honestly. Um, but also, if, if Wanted and if some of these other ones ever actually do roll back to Netflix or to Millar to sell to Netflix for even more money, like what they would do with something like that would be really intriguing. Because I bet they would do a show like... Like an animated kick-ass would be awesome. An an, uh, that would be. Did you see the, the, the anime they basically did in that universe of the Jupiter's Heroes? Uh, was it the... There's like Supermax or something or Super Crooks. Uh, super Criminals. Yeah, Super Crooks. Yeah, that was good. I really like that. I have I have not watched it. I've seen clips of it, but I have not watched the whole thing. It's totally worth watching because it does it does a really great job with what they were going for. And it does kind of show you how if Netflix were to invest, they could save that deal and make a lot of money off of it. I mean, I don't know how streaming makes money. That part I still don't understand. But they could get success from that deal. <laughs> Wizardry. That's how, that's how they make money. Uh, man, I really don't know. I don't. I. It sounds to me, and I know we're going to jump out to the break here, but it sounds to me like every dollar Netflix gets, they just turn around and spend in production. So I don't understand where profit comes from, but I don't. I don't know. Every time I hear the math on them, I always freak out. All right, we're going to jump out to a break. We're going to be back the very next hour with a second hour of Nerd Thug Radio's return to the radio where we hang out with you and kick off your weekends every weekend starting this weekend. Did I say weekend enough? Because it's the weekend. Uh, This is Courtney LG with me as always. This is little brother Nico. We're going to jump out to a break. And when we come back, we've got another action packed hour of nerd thug radio. Thanks for hanging out with us guys. All right, welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio. This is Corey DLG. With me, as always, is little brother Nico. That's me. All right, and we are rounding out to hour number two of the two-hour return to radio of Nerd Thug Radio. I think you need to say radio a couple more times, really balance it out. I, it feels like I should say it at least one more time. Like, rule of three applies somewhere. Uh, I don't know. Let's see if we can do it. Let's see if we don't do it. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> 
the challenge. Don't say rating for the rest of the episode. Oh, you already said it. Oh. Well, yeah, it doesn't start when you're listing it. I don't. I don't think that that's true. I think. I think if you say it, you said it. I don't know how you unsay it. Don't don't use don't you don't don't hit me with these. To to quote that um, those two guys with the piano say something. I'm giving up on you. So I don't know. Like, I don't know what else to do. Uh, you already said the word. Mm, what you say? <laughs> you only meant well. Uh, okay, so we were talking about Netflix as we jumped out to the break. I genuinely don't understand their like. I would love to have some. Maybe we'll reach out to Netflix and maybe like, or maybe just a streaming like expert to someone. How, someone how in the world? And... <laughs> and like their their pay is always crazy because like yeah. People talk about how, like, oh, Netflix doesn't, you know, oh, my residuals on Netflix are so bad. But then I always hear stories of, like, I was hired on by Netflix to be an extra in one of their shows, and they paid me $2,500 like, to walk across the screen for three seconds. Like, Well, like, we know a guy uh, who's flown out and, and been in a couple Netflix things, and I don't know if they've used them actually on screen for any of it. But it's airfare, it's hotel, it's per diem, and he's on set for a few days, and he and he gets a rate for that, and then he goes home. So like, like I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a very solid point. Like, what? I, I like, they didn't even use it. They didn't even use any of it. I don't know, man. I don't know. Imagine, imagine you get flown out. They you do all this stuff, and then they're like, "Yeah, we didn't need it." <laughs> Well, and I like okay. Uh, I don't think I've I don't think I've ever said who the person is, so I guess I can say the show. So, like one of the things he went out for was Stranger Things. He's on set this whole time as they were. He was on set for a week while they were filming. It was last season. He was supposed to be one of the people who works at the roller rink. So he's there with Eleven and with uh, that wolf kid. And they're doing all that stuff. He's on set for like four or five days. Yeah, crazy successful kid. Uh, He's going to direct something here very soon. He's not even eighteen yet, I don't think. Dang, I really got to step up my game. It used to be cool being the young one. Now I'm like old. (laughs) I try not to think about like how that works. Time, yeah, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) But he's out there. He's supposed to be one of the people who works behind the counter. They, I think he even said he does some stuff in interacting with the two kids or one of them, and they just didn't use any of it. Now, apparently, someone said he's in the background. I got to rewatch it and see if I see him. Um, but uh, I yeah, because when I watched the season, I was like, he said he was in this. I didn't see him at all. <laughs> right, I didn't notice him, but I was the first time I was watching it. I was watching it. You know what I mean? So I need to like untrain the eye to watch the background and not the. The characters, yeah. Which is hard imagine to... imagine watching a show for the background characters, which is a, a good review of Into the, Across the Spider Verse. That's true. That's true. There's a lot going on there. I'm uh, going to watch I... it like six more times. That will be so good. Okay, good because I still have to watch it. So maybe we'll watch it this weekend or something when I get when I get done house sitting out on this side of town. Um, yeah, I I just I don't understand how they make money because like okay, how you make how Hollywood has always made money is either from commercials or from ticket sales. Well, Netflix doesn't do either one of those. So is the only money in from people buying the subscriptions? And if it is, then that means they should always be operating 
at a profit, except they carry a ton of debt that they borrowed to get like production studios started and, and, and all this other stuff started. So it makes you wonder how do they make money? Yeah, it really doesn't make any sense because it'll be like these astronomical numbers. Yeah. And it's like, it's also, like, oh, I yeah. Don't, I don't know if they actually like... turn a profit quarterly. Like, I don't even know if they, I mean, they're publicly traded. And I don't know if they even, month to month or quarterly, do they turn a profit? Do you know? I, I couldn't tell you. I've only ever heard that Netflix is the only streaming service to ever turn a profit, but I also don't know if that was any time recently, which is just a bad sign because it just means that everything is not profitable. So clearly it's not a model that works efficiently. <laughs> well, okay, so I just I just Googled Netflix. Uh, wow, the fluctuation on this is crazy. $399 is what it's currently trading at around. Um, 52-week low, $164. 52-week high, $413. So we're in the middle of some kind of run here. Uh, the P&E ratio, though, is interesting. It's $42. So I think that means that they turn a profit... Tons of debt. I think that that's they do have tons of debt. They have tons of debt. Uh, in comparison to the other streamers, though, their stock price is way up. No, it's uh, again because Netflix, even with all of its troubles and all of its like continuously growing pains, it's still the best streaming service out there. Although sixty-seven percent of uh, shareholders voted against a uh, hundred and sixty million dollar bonus package for executives. Yeah, well, they, they don't think they deserve it. <laughs> to be fair, I don't either. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah I'm not. I don't. Like, who are these people who give all this money away to the executives? Um, you guys did so great. Oh, really? Thank you. <laughs> like, okay, let's. Like, see. where can I put my paycheck on that roll? Like, yeah, when, when are they going to vote on giving me money? Netflix? No. All right. Well, no. I have my number. <laughs> I just, I'm just blown away. Like, I'm trying to find here anything that says that they, they now want to pivot into gaming, and they, and they're now getting, they're done with DVDs totally. Or yeah, that's that just that just recently happened too. Right. So, like Steven Spielberg's Amblin Partners signed a deal with Netflix to release new multiple feature films for the streaming service. Um. I don't like. I don't know. Like, I don't understand where they make their money. Like, I, I genuinely think it's just it's only subscribers. It's the only money in because everything else they pay for. Right. So then it becomes wow. It is. I mean, it is like that. It is available around the world. Yeah. Original so programming. Like, and then their original programming, I'm sure, is just the easiest thing because they because once they make it, they have it forever. I think that's it. I think them owning the shows because if those shows go to other networks, they own it. So like you would pay the subscription subscribe the syndication to Netflix, not to like Netflix is also a production company. 
Right. And I think that for them, it's just like, all right, it's, if someone wants to watch our Netflix original, whatever, we own everything about it. So you're going to have to come to us exclusively for everything. And even if like all these other things eventually go away, like, oh, Disney wants all their content, whoever wants all their content, Sony wants all their content back, they still have a really big catalog across genres, across, you know, styles. They do, but now people are starting to kind of get in on this thing of removing stuff from your catalog. And I'm not sure that I agree with that. I mean, there's always going to be some competition. I mean, they had, they lost, uh, didn't they lose The Office and they lost Yeah, but what I mean is like HBO deleted content that HBO owned from its own streaming service. Oh, I think that's just because HBO is a, a lunatic company. <laughs> By the way, HBO, um, the media company that owns HBO also fired, they put a CEO in charge of CNN, and they are now starting to kind of, they haven't fired him yet, but they've already started to kind of like make the obvious moves that mean he's out in the next six months. Because yeah. CNN apparently his, the ratings have dropped even more. Like, I, it's... It's a weird. Okay, so right now, also with the strikes, there's a lot going on with the entertainment world. By the way, the I think I just saw the Screen Actors Guild voted to go on strike as well. So yep, now the first time, first time since the 1980s. First time the well, Screen Actors have gone on strike, or first time both have been on strike. Uh, I think the Screen Actors. So the Screen Actors and the Writers are both on strike, and I'm reading right now. I'm looking at a headline that says that Netflix is really the big reason why the writers are still in strike. Because they want a bigger piece of the of the streaming pie, and Netflix really has zero interest in changing their model at all. Right, and also uh, this is just a side note to that. Uh, shout out to the Directors Guild for being the worst people ever. <laughs> oh, why? What did they do? So they got like a crazy good deal, <laughs> and they like signed it immediately. <laughs> they got exactly what. Well, listen, each of these guys, while they all work together, they all are going to take the deal that's best for them. I, um, like, that is I understand about I understand that, but they literally were like, "Don't worry, guys, we'll support you. Just wait until our our contracts up, and then we can rally together." And then, as soon as they had the opportunity, they were like, "Never mind, we signed it." Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, listen, I will say this: if I'm the networks, and the, there's a chance for all three to be on strike at the same time, that's too much chaos and unknown, right? That's too much. Uh, true, but it also means that you're not leveraging your power. Like, that's exactly like you want to be in the position where it's like you can hold the entire industry. Right. But if the industry is holding back, now you're in a fight. Now you don't have. Now that's the thing that here's what people forget about fights power only works when you're, when you're avoiding a fight. But once someone's on strike, it's no longer about power anymore. Because what do you, you can't you can't use the imaginary pressures anymore. They either have the money to stay on strike or they don't. And I think there's enough money between the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Union that they can stay on strike for a long time. Um, so I think it, a fight is always one of those things. You know, I, I've seen plenty of them firsthand. You don't you don't know what's going to happen in a fight. So. To me, I think it was 
smart of the studios to let at least to close one of these fronts before it keeps getting worse for them, right? Because if the directors, the actors, and the writers were all on strike at the exact same time, now how do you get your ducks even in a row? Like, where do you put your – you can't put your back to a wall because literally everybody in the process is against you. Right, and that's what I mean when I say, like, if they really wanted to wait, they could have. Uh, like the yeah, actors, but, but the actors' guilds contract ends. Like they end the thirtieth of June. Like it's so close. Yeah, but if I'm the directors and I got what I was going to ask for, then I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to strike. I know that that's, I know that that doesn't help the writers and the actors. However, if this is what I wanted to get out of the new deal and I got it, then I'm good. But it also means once the directors sign this deal. That also kind of puts pressure back on the studios because what was the point of giving the directors what they wanted if you can't bring the actors and the writers back in? Yeah, and that's kind of the thing because it was it, a lot of the people in the writers guild were like, "Seriously, dudes, like you're gonna you're gonna be like, oh, dang." I don't know. I kind of agree with. I I actually think it's, got I think it's I think it's I think it uh you know if you're playing fourth dimensional chess instead of 3d chess i think it actually might help the writers and the screen actors because these directors some of them have contracts where they get paid while they're waiting on stuff to happen at the studio you know what i mean like if they have a development deal with the studio well while they were on strike the development deal wouldn't have counted but now that they're back in in the office they get paid no matter what so like it kind of puts pressure back on the studios to bring the other guys back in Maybe, I think it does. I, I think it. I think it's a good I, thing. I think. I also, think I if see they got it. what they were looking for, then I think it's a great thing because the, a strike is only a strike should be a tool that you use to get what you want it to get or needed to get. So if they got what they were walking, if they were close enough to where they're happy, then you don't have to strike. I don't know if you saw this. But... This was a, a new story, so. Um, League of Legends, very popular video game, probably the most popular one in the world. Uh, probably one of, probably the most popular competitive video game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, a million plus players. It's huge game, big deal. It's kind of the kind of the biggest game in terms of esports as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have a thing called the LCS, which is the league, uh, the league championships. So they have a players guild. A a union, a players' union, um, and they were trying to stage a walkout because uh, the LCS was trying to uh, shut down their basically their minor leagues um, because it was getting quote too expensive and they weren't seeing enough returns on it, so they were just gonna just can it. <laughs> profitable thing in the universe yeah Which it, I, it's, it is it really like a lot of people invest in it so there's always money coming in and that's what people don't realize is that it's hard to get money back out yeah it's super not profitable um and so they have these like basically minor leagues that just weren't they just weren't entertaining or they weren't they weren't pushing the numbers but the players guild was like well there's a lot of players that are in the player and most of the, the people coming into the majors come from the minors. Like, we're not just picking up random people. Right. 
but they said, well, it's too bad. We're closing it anyways. And so the players were trying to stage a walkout. Uh, League of Legends was not happy about this. No, I imagine they weren't. And they said, uh, no, you have to field a team. We don't care who they are. We don't care where they are. We don't care what rank. If they're even physically there. Like, they can remote in. We don't care. You have to field players. You can't strike out. Uh, they then threatened that if they didn't field any players, they would cancel the entire North American League uh, for the year. Okay. All right. Now it's getting uh, serious. It has been suspended for two weeks. It should have started about a week ago. So we're in week two. Is standing with their guns drawn. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, I would say good for the players to hold firm. Um, I would say League of Legends is one of those things that has benefited the most in free publicity from the rise of esports. Uh, it's like them and Counter Strike. Like they've never had to run an ad in their life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like the Coca-Cola of esports. Um, so to me, I, I mean, there could have, there should have been a way that they went about restructuring the minor leagues to, to better protect their profit and loss. But these people should have been building these companies with the idea that they were supposed to turn a profit. Like, I can't feel bad for them when they're so bad at it. Yeah, it's 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 the weird thing that now that inflation's gotten so bad and money has the weirdest statements that you have to make. <laughs> like, how is money expensive? Because the interest rates are too high. Like, well, saying that out loud doesn't even make any sense. The one thing uh, Grant Cardone ever says that I do agree with is the idea that... Uh, Homes only exist so that banks can lend money out. Oh, 100%. Well, again, because money was cheap for so long. Money had a right. 1% interest rate. You put it in a, a, a federal bond and give you 2% a year. You're like, awesome. It's less than inflation. But it is a fascinating idea because, like, homes are one of those weird things where you do, like, there's not a lot of other things you could go to the bank and you could borrow the lump sum for the back end of what you're getting, a home. And then give that to the housing company, and then the housing company's like, we'll, we'll build it now. Almost any other way, you would take quotes, and you would bid it out. Like, like having been on part of... On yeah, and really funny. Yeah, like home, home building is this weird, broken empire that right. shouldn't and, really exist the way it exists. Yeah, and I think the, the main one of the main things is the fact that it's a house specifically, because you live there. <laughs> right. But it's, but it's, I mean, it's just done weird. Like anything else, you would bid out the whole thing over parts, and you would get lines of credit to do it in in, in steps or stages. Like, nope, all at once, all at once, go. all at once, and you would have almost no say about who does the plumbing and the electricity, and like, but you're the end user. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a very weird process building a house. Right, but now that money's expensive and investments have to actually pay off, all of a sudden, all these. Things that people have been pouring money into for years all of a sudden are vastly it, – it's really showing. It's like, man, this has been bleeding for six years, and we just never figured out how to make this profitable. All these 
bro and pay people. And you're just like, what's happening right now? Yeah, I and thought like, that was a really weird moment. And so, it's hard and it's hard to feel bad. It's like, oh no, my my venture capitalists, <laughs> all my buddies who have their VCs six trillion dollars. Yeah, I definitely wasn't I don't know if I'm rooting for the right people sometimes on these things. Like when the when the GameStop stuff was happening and they figured out that they could short a, a VC, uh, like a, an investment firm to death, and they did it, I I didn't feel bad for the investment firm at all. And, like, maybe that's not right. I don't know. Like, <laughs> they definitely put somebody down, right? Like, like well, people yeah, lost but, their jobs, but... <laughs> yeah, but also those people deserved it because they made dumb decisions. Right. They were professional gamblers, and they lost. Like, I, yeah, it's just a weird... Well, so, like, so, you know... Uh, Given my political feelings, I keep an eye on the economy because I hope it does well. Because yeah, I mean, we don't I, want the I don't want the world to burn and crash here. But also, right. like, is it so much to ask for that you build something that people can make money with? <laughs> right, exactly. And so it's been interesting to watch. Like, so okay, kind of everyone's been holding their breath. I feel like the last year and a half or two years, like, oh, we're on the verge of a recession every day. It is kind of what the sort of like the other half says about like our current economy right like it's not the biggest growth we've ever seen and therefore that means like any minute it could happen but every every quarter like i think it's something like 13 out of 15 quarters have been like great news like job wise and stuff and and still we're on the other side of it where we go yeah but uh yeah just because like the economy hasn't been exploding for like right. And now, it's like it's like oh, happening that, that people people lose sight of like reality, and I think that was a big part due to the pandemic because we crashed so hard and then threw a bunch of money at the problem, right? And so like I mean, you saw it all over the like I saw it even selling cards like stuff skyrocketed, things that were eighty ninety dollars all of a sudden were worth hundreds of dollars. People could buy Pokemon packs from a walmart flipped them on ebay for five times as much it's like what's right. happening and it was and it was a weird combination of like the the interested people suddenly had free time because they were staying home but also they had extra money but also they 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 had like nothing was happening for a minute so everyone could sort of like overindulge yeah. in their hobbies so like there was this weird like yeah explosion kind of but so like okay, Google fires seventy thousand uh, tech workers, and you're like, oh oh okay, it's starting. But then the job reports come out, and like we still gained two hundred thousand jobs that quarter. And on top of that, the people who were let go, a bunch of them went on Twitter and said I hadn't worked in the last nine months anyway. Uh, they hired me just so I wouldn't take a job somewhere else. Yeah, or like they sense. hired him for a project that never. Yeah, or they hired him on for a project they never even like had Happen. any plans on actually doing. Yeah. Uh, when, like, oh, you'll be he, great for this, and they're like, the project's canceled. And they're like, well, they just signed a year deal. I guess they're. Yeah. I guess they're not doing. I guess it they're here, anymore. right? Well, and you find out that in the tech industry, always hiring is like it does certain things for them. It, it keeps it keeps their name like in good standing in that in that sector. You're like because you. Because people talk about it like, oh, man, they're still hiring over there. But then also, it's like an arms race. Like, nobody wants to be the first one to stop hiring because that means the other guys won. Like, it's – that doesn't make sense. That's not how you run a business. Yeah, it's – and I've even heard some, like, horror stories. Like, uh, there was one guy I was watching uh, – I was listening to one of his shows, and he was like 
he was working, I think for like, it wasn't Twitter. It was Facebook or something like that. And he had, he was building this program. And they're like, great to lead this project. And like, he had spent the better part of like six months on it, leading this team and doing this project. It had gotten canceled weeks ago and they just never told him. <laughs> and like, he, he heard it in passing. Oh and he, no. And he was like, what? And so he goes to the manager and they're like, oh yeah, we had a change up ahead and your thing's been canceled for like a month. And he's like, he's like, I have developers who like their families because, because like, like because we were so close to finishing. <laughs> like I don't even I mean, I don't know what to say. Like the idea that like first of all, the idea that you have so much bureaucracy that you forget to tell a guy that like we canceled your project. <laughs> There's just something real scummy about that. But then the other side of it, I mean, I know somebody who and this was God, I'm old. This was 20 years ago now. When we got out of co- when our when my age group was getting out of college. Yeah, I know, right? She uh she was recruited. She came out of a, a good business school and she was recruited to be a member of a team. And the team didn't have space for her. Uh, the office had just opened a brand new floor. She was the only person on that floor for the first month and a half. No one had even come up there to integrate that sector into the, like into the network. So she didn't even, she was just playing on her phone for the first month. Um, the team wasn't ready for her yet. So the first like four to six months she could get into the network and like, she was just online shopping on Amazon all day. And she was actively telling her recruiter and like the person that she thought she was supposed to be reporting to like, Hey, like, do you want me to work on anything else while I'm here or waiting? And the person that she thought she was supposed to be reporting to wasn't even like in the department that is her and had no idea who she was and didn't know why she was getting the emails. (laughs) I like the idea that your bureaucracy is so strong that you don't even know who's sending you emails anymore. (laughs) <laughs> who are you stop sending me stuff <laughs> another buddy of mine uh his last name is is a woman's name his last name is a woman's first name um and somebody just wasn't reading emails through thoroughly like the froms and the twos and all that or just wasn't reading the information correctly and so when he introduced himself and they were like oh he kept getting the same comment from several people that they thought he was a woman. Nice. They were like, oh. Because I guess like in the emails it would show his first initial and then a woman's name. Right. But nobody was thinking that that was a last name. Oh, R. Rebecca? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you're then, not, you're not Rebecca? Rebecca? No, I'm Robert Rebecca. Like, <laughs> they were like, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> that's news to me because like that i've seen that i've seen that before where like it'll have their names but like their last name first and then their name yeah so if you're not paying attention it's like rebecca robert and you're like okay all right where's rebecca and then like there's five guys in the cafeteria and you're like i don't know who what <laughs> and he's like i'm rebecca and you're like oh yeah oh well we accept everyone yeah, he goes back like, to his no. email. He keeps flirting with him. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, "Well, my wife just left me. I hope Rebecca's cute." Uh... 
That's office inappropriate. He keeps signing his emails. Really weird. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, I guess I guess, that's a terrible segue, but that's all right. So, office inappropriate. I just took a job working at the Adventure Begins. Ooh, fancy! I know. I am now the assistant general manager for the stadium, which is like the sports side of the Adventure Begins comics, games, and more. The sports half. The sports half. So. There's a lot going on. We're it's a it's a pretty steep learning curve on the stuff I don't know. Like the trading cards go, uh, the, the 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 card game goes deep, man. I I I as, as someone who only plays anime games, know that's very true. And so, like, I'm learning more and more about the other side of it. But also, as much as I keep learning, I'm also sort of fascinated by just the oddity of it. Too. I saw something really weird the other day. And they did this on purpose. They had to have done this on purpose. Uh, it was a non-licensed company. So, like, okay, there are people who buy licenses. Then there are people who pay directly to groups of athletes and do non-licensed cards. Okay? So, like, Tops might have a sports license. Let's say it's a baseball license. So they can do, like, the Atlanta Braves and blah, blah, blah. Someone else might sell a card that has a starting pitcher for the Atlanta Braves in non-branded sporting gear. And then, like... He's my favorite member of the baseball program. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, one of the cards that this guy... So, it's an interesting little box that they sell. It's only a hundred and some change. Only a hundred and some change. Well, considering what I've seen, it's... Some of the prizes... Insane. It's, it is insane, but it's also incredible what I've seen some people pull already. I've only been doing this about a week, but I got another story too that's, that's just as crazy. But anyway, so this guy, it's a hundred and some odd dollars, and it's one pack of cards. It's a couple packs of cards and a promised one of one signature card. Well, the signature card was a guy who won one of the golf tournaments recently. He's a Norwegian dude. It's a one of one. It's already eBaying for like 400 bucks. So, like, the guy already made his money back on this little box. Um, but he also pulls out a college athlete, uh, Hannah Cavender. Now she's one of the Cavender twins. There are these two super cute girls that are playing uh, college basketball at University of Miami. They just announced they're they're going to make a decision about if they're going to stay in Miami or if they're going to transfer away in the off season. But they have NIL deals. They are these two super cute little white girls, little blonde girls, five foot six in Miami. You can imagine the kind of NIL money they make working out in bathing suits and leggings and all sorts of shenanigans, right? So they're known for this stuff. Um, The card is a materials card. So one of the things they do in sports industry is you put on a pair of sweatpants and they cut them up and then they put it in a little cardboard card and they put on the note, this was... This has been worn by such and such, right? And then so then it has an implied value because such and such wore it. So this card specifically says, Hannah Cavender, uh, this is a personal relic from the private collection of Hannah Cavender. But it's this sort of spongy, sporty, cottony material. Like, it can only be a couple of things. Basketball shorts or, like, a sports bra or something. Um, It's got to be one of those, like, small, tight, things based on the material that's in the that's in the little cardboard right yeah 
So they basically want you to think. I mean, what do you think when you hear that? A private relic from the personal collection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, like, it's such a weird thing that came out of this pack. I was sort of like, what an odd... What do they imply, right? Like, they only have one direction for that to go. Right. Uh, And it basically put a pause to the whole... There's, like, five guys standing in this room. We're all looking at the different... That's the interesting thing. These guys will come in and they'll like they'll watch other guys open packs or whatever, and it kind of takes command of the room because it is interesting. This is what everyone's interested in. So then we're having this conversation right, yeah. out loud about like, what I was like, it's got to be basketball shorts, but obviously it's five guys standing in a room. Like, I don't think it's what any of us really thought it was. Like, I don't know. Like, I, what? But that's clearly what they wanted us to think, right? Yeah, especially when you call it something like that. Yeah, they could have just said training shorts or anything i mean they could have just said what it was or put a picture of her wearing whatever it was but in the picture she's wearing like red material and this is gray so like what do you it was just it was less than helpful um but i will tell you we saw somebody open a box called a pearl box and it had 13 cards in it and i have now stood in the presence of the queen elizabeth queen mother's personal signature that's crazy uh quick glances at ebay said anywhere between 20 and forty-five thousand dollars in the united states for that signature that is absolutely insane <laughs> like that's an unfathomable amount of money <laughs> i it really is intriguing kind of how all of this works uh there's a guy coming in right now it's a neat strategy i don't begrudge him at all i think this is kind of he started. He he checks the list for older sets of cards, so he's been coming in and opening boxes of 2013. So they're fairly affordable, fairly cheap. Um, and he's just looking for the the. He's just hoping to get any of the rookie cards from that set because it was a particularly good year, and the players that this particular set focused on wound up being good players, like Travis Kelsey and stuff like that. Yeah, so it's it's basically like, you know, Michael Jordan rookie card. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Just smart. Sort of. Like, so, what I'm learning is that some of these sets focus on certain players more than the... Like, yes, they'll put a, all the rookies in this set, but then they go to certain rookies, and they'll be like, hey, sign 50 of these cards exclusively for this set. So, like, there will be exclusive Travis Kelsey stuff in this 2013 box set. Right. So yeah, if he, if he, if he gets lucky as he's working his way through our stock of these boxes, uh, you know, it's, it's totally worth it, but it is an intriguing thing to do. And also he's been pulling a lot of other stuff that like balances out the value of it. So he's like, yeah, I can keep going because this and this and this covered this purchase, which is the same thing you've been doing with the cards forever. Yeah, that's that's my I call it the infinite parlay. No, I don't. But like <laughs> it works until it doesn't, right? But Yeah, like, until you open that box that does nothing. Yeah, I mean or or you open the box that has stuff you nice because you can use eat. your hobby. Right, yeah, that also kind of cuts your thing off. It's yeah. almost it's it's using your hobby to pay for your hobby, which is like a really interesting thing that card exclusively, not exclusively, but like it's a very 
It's a lot easier with cards. It's so much easier with cards. And apparently Transformers. By the <laughs> way, if you ever wanted to make a million dollars, just buy every tiny Transformer that then becomes impossible to find. I own a tiny car that... He's $90 for some reason on eBay. Why? He's two inches tall. <laughs> Why? Some of the stuff you own, I'm blown away by that, that people have put I'm blown such away a, by That people have just put such a value. But, like, you also have a good eye for that. Uh, I remember when we were doing the Heroclix World Series Championship or Texas Tour or whatever we called it. We went to those five That's or six shops around Houston, and we named a Texas champion for Heroclix. And we went to that one shop out there in Beaumont or Baytown or wherever we were. And you, we've been there maybe 30 minutes and you out of just, you just, you can't help yourself anymore. You go, the prices on all these toys are wrong. And I remember going like, what are you talking about? And you were like, yeah, all of these toys are worth way more. And you're like, I'm pretty sure. And then you're like, that's definitely like, that thing is worth a lot more money. And I was like, buy it and flip it. And you're like, all right. And I remember you just went ham. Like you bought like six things that day. Yeah. I also pulled a chase because we did a random uh, boosters. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Like, I, I they just... couldn't stop me that day, Corey. <laughs> it was your moment. Eight mile. <laughs> I think I got like ninth in the tournament. I didn't do good at the tournament. <laughs> I didn't do the only one of those I did good in is when we were using the other rules. And then when we changed to regular rules, I, I got my butt kicked. But I definitely, I remember when we were using feats. I I was a I was an X Men champion. I had built the greatest X Men team ever when we were using feats. Because I had built that team. They had that Xavier School set out where all the students were in the set, but all of the X Men were X Men who were leading teams, so they all had leadership. And I used the Uncanny X Men feat where it was like. For every successful leadership role that turn, you get to add a plus one to attack or damage for for a character. Yeah, so I had the team had like I had five I had I had like six or seven people on the team and like five of them had leadership traded on their card. Pretty decent. So every turn now here's Here's what I was afraid of, and it did happen that first round. I do remember this. The first round, I missed every single leadership role for that whole first match. You know what they say, 33% is actually zero. Right. So that was brutal. But the rest of the time, I basically was getting two or three free perplexes every round. So it, it wound up being, I kept setting up just these big swings on guys. So like, other people were playing, like, they, they were playing... Uh, with Mjolnir, Thor's hammer, which makes close combat attacks 10 squares away and stuff like that. And so there were all these other people who were like playing the other cheats and thought they really had it. And then all of a sudden I'm swinging like with 50 point Banshee from the Xavier school set. And he could, I can TK him up and I can shoot with a 14 for six damage or something. Like I've maxed him out from rule of three because I hit all my perplexes. And uh, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm dead. Very cool. <laughs> Very cool. Um, that was a, yeah, that was a, other than that one, there were two tournaments we played under the old rules and then three under the new rules. And yeah, when we got rid of feats, I, I was a loser again. 
I think that was the event I played my reporters team, not reporters, Metropolis team. Ah, it was I do just this. it was it was uh it was the Elseworlds Chase Superman, which was uh Bizarro. No, it wasn't Bizarro. It was the uh it was the Superman that was like oh, it was like two hundred and or no, he was like two seventy or two eighty. He was like a million points. And then it was like Lois Lane, Jimmy Olsen, and then like a Stars Lab tech. Oh, that's right. I remember that. And didn't the Jimmy Olsen have the ability to summon Superman? Yeah, if he was close, he could like bring him. <laughs> like if he if, if someone was like within four squares of him, he could te- teleport the Superman to him. But the <laughs> Superman has like a charge, and if you're in hindering when you start it, you don't have to half your movement. He's got like a twelve movement. Oh, just just run twelve up. Exactly. So and then I had him on the uh, the Wakanda map. So. It was just all hindering, so he just just got to just fly everywhere for free. That's a good feeling. Now that's and a then cool and then he had the I gave him the crowbar that gives him penetrating damage. So anytime he did anything, he just murdered you. Oh. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite moves I ever did was with the Superman piece because Superman ignores hindering terrain. Yeah, for some reason. Well, I mean, he's got X-ray vision. Well, so. yeah, I mean, he's Superman. He's got this. He's got magic eyes. But this guy was running a Batman team, and obviously, the thing about Batman teams is stealth. And Straight I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember it was like I had two guys with the Superman team ability and two guys with Wild Card. So everyone's Superman team. <laughs> yeah, so everyone's Superman team ability. So nobody, everybody ignores hindering for yeah. And so he had everybody bunched together, and I got to roll up and do some energy explosion. Like, two different people got to both do energy explosion in the same turn. Uh, so he was definitely like... What's else? Yeah, he was like, well, that's not cool. <laughs> he was he like, we're stealthy, we got this... The smoke screen, we got him. And you're like, uh, ignore all that, blow up your whole team. But he was like, well, we didn't account for the not. Yeah, and he really like he had, he he thought he had accounted for everything by being in stealth. And then when I lined up the first shot, he's like, "Well, stealth." And I was like, "Superman team ability." And he was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> that moment where your your face just drops and you're like, "I'm doomed." And he realized then he's kind of looking at the build of my team, and all of a sudden he's like, "All of your guys see through stealth." And I was like, "Yeah," and he was like. Oh my god! <laughs> they were all squishy, otherwise, right? So yeah, like stealth is so good until it doesn't work, right? So two different energy explosions is four clicks across the board. So coming out of opening round, all of a sudden his guys are half dial or nearly dead. They're like, "Don't worry, bad family, we got this." As they crawl out of the smoke, <laughs> all dying. He was playing like a hundred and fifty point Batman, though. So that guy. Still did some damage and did some work, but the the sidekicks were in trouble after that. Yeah, the bad families aren't are, are known for a lot of things. Their durability is not one of them. Yeah, no, yeah. If you can squish them, squish them. <laughs> they are in fact all steel people. Oh. <laughs> um so I've been doing some signings for my comic books and all that. Oh, um, fancy, fancy. I know it's been it's been really cool. I'm really happy about it. I'm enjoying it a lot. This is the last one that I've got booked for now. I've wanted to see what's going on with the job before I kept booking more and all of that. Uh, but it was really good. 
We did one at Comics Vault on West on yeah on West Road uh, yes, last sir. weekend, and that was a really good one. And then this weekend, we will be in Huntsville. So if you're hearing this, go ahead tomorrow. Coming out at Brixton Superheroes in Huntsville, um, and, and do another signing with me. This will be my second signing with those guys. They were super super cool the first time, so I'm really excited. I think it's going to go well. I hope. And we'll have a good time, and we'll see what happens. Um, signings are a weird thing, though. There's a lot of pressure, but there's so little that I can control about it. Yeah. You're up to the ways of the world, Corey. A little bit. And, like, I was really – I don't want to say this in a negative way because I had a really good experience at Comic Fault. Everybody was nice. Uh, by the way, the guy is super cool. Jasani is super cool. But then also his staff, it's – I, I don't know how this happens. It's three really beautiful girls who work there. Uh, so I don't know if Jusani is just the smartest man on the planet, but he hangs out all day in a comic shop surrounded by just beautiful women. So good on him. Uh, the comics vault on West Road. <laughs> um, but it was kind of a weird, it was their second anniversary and they were doing like half off on back issues, 20% off on Funko Pops. They were doing all this crazy stuff. But the foot traffic was lighter than I was expecting, considering that deal. But I think so close to Comic Palooza, it's tough to judge. Yeah, and also, I mean that that store is 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 relatively new ish. I want to say it's only been open for this was their I second mean, year anniversary s- there, second year anniversary. But like, I'm like in comic book stores happen everywhere, so it's not one that I see a lot of people go to. And like, I've hard. I think I've been there twice in two years you know what's intriguing to me though is you you live in a weird part of town where there's all of a sudden kind of in the last couple of years a ton of hobby stores yeah an absolute ton like i go to two separate locals to play cards there's even more that i don't go to that are even like further or closer <laughs> That's, I mean, that's that's a lot to me. It really surprised me because back in the day, there was nothing out that way. Nope. There was one store that was out that way. I remember when we talked about opening a shop out there, it was because there was nothing out there. Yeah, now there's now there's a bunch of stuff. And the place we went open to doesn't even exist anymore. Well, I mean, it does. Yeah, it's just a, just a ghost town now. I'm glad. To guess, I guess it's a good thing we didn't do it there. I don't know. Who could have predicted that a movie theater would close? That almost never happens, by the way. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you why part of it is, though, is, you know, Dad and I reached out separately, and we both talked about it and both laughed about it, but those people wanted so much money per square foot for a business out there. I mean, the rent would have been crippling at that store. Oh, and you yeah, never saw so. anything there. You never saw anything there. Nothing ever opened and stayed open there. Nope. There was like one ice cream store and then it closed and then nothing ever replaced it for years, actual and, years. And it's because they never moved. I remember calling and the guy giving me a quote and I remember calling him back and, and acting confused and being like, no, you misunderstood, misunderstood what I'm talking about. And I relayed the address and he goes, no, that's, that is what they want there. And I said, nothing has been there for a year and a half. Are they sure that that's what they want there? And he was like, that's what they say. And I said, would you mind rechecking that? And I said, it's, I said, maybe push them a little bit. I said, because there have been no businesses there for a year and a half. And he came back and he said, no, they, that's what they want for that. 
And I said, okay, well, that's never going to happen. Yeah. The only, the only trip is a single place and it is a daiquiris to go place. And I imagine the only reason they're making it is because the uh, Turner, like the, the profit margins on alcohol are insane. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you make or make drinks, you make a lot of money, generally speaking. But even that's weird. Like, I don't understand how daiquiris to go works, but that's whatever. That's a different. That's a, that's a whole other story. I've, uh, to be fair, I've seen uh, daiquiris to go is apparently the most advanced technology in the world. Uh, <laughs> because they exist everywhere. You could pick the most random middle of nowhere town. I guarantee you there's a daiquiris to go place there. This is true. This is very true. Like, uh, Everywhere in between. I don't. I don't understand that at all. I don't understand how that works. But there's a couple like car houses have made a, a return again. If you remember, they they used to advertise on uh, the sports radio stations down in Houston, a couple of the car houses, and then all of a sudden they all got raided one weekend because the Texas DA or the Houston DA it was like they're not interpreting the the gambling laws correctly. Um. And then they got there was like an argument about that, and then all the card house card houses went away for a minute. But now I see like six or seven of them again around Houston. Yeah, and who knows? This might be the same people being like they won't get us a second time. Well, it is always really weird. I'll I'll say this: when I used to play poker, we would go. There were no quote unquote legal card houses everywhere we played poker. Was technically an illegal off books like poker house. Um, and they would take the rake to, to do that. Uh, and definitely casinos do. That's just how people make money. Like that, that, to me, that's not the issue, but there would always be a cop in the parking lot. Um, there would always be security working these events. Like it was, it was an odd, weird middle place. Like there's no way law enforcement doesn't know these places exist. You know what I mean? And they just weren't concerned about them until they, did become concerned about him because stuff would get out of control right I well i mean like crime i guess that's true and also things like smoke shops have existed forever but how long has marijuana been legal in texas oh yeah like never yeah i i still don't understand that there's there's absolutely still a place i guess near my now no longer my apartment that they flat out say they're selling marijuana they flat out tell you they're selling a legal strand of marijuana and i don't I don't understand how that works. I, that sounds like it's illegal, but... <laughs> I'm not even going to sit here and pretend I know what's going on. Uh, and I literally walked in there and I said, this may be a dumb question. I said, but isn't isn't marijuana illegal? And he goes, yeah, my dad's got some lawyers and blah, blah, blah. And this is they say that this is totally legitimate. And I was like, but this is actually... And they were like, this is really... And I was like, okay, I don't understand. This but... is all news to me. But yeah, yeah. Like, places like this have existed. Ah, uh, yes, my elaborate glassware. Please pay no mind to it whatsoever. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> no or illicit back, substances enter or exit this precipitous. Or back in the day when they used to sell like, like, like women pills, and they would be like, the side effect is it may cause miscarriage because it was supposed to be birth control, but it was against the law to sell birth control. Right. Like, I, I guess the workarounds have always existed. It's just weird that in these modern times, that that's that's how the law still works. Look, it's all vague until someone says you can't do it. Right, and then someone just comes in and shuts you down. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It is very weird. But you know what's one place that definitely won't get shut down? It's the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. Because it's family-friendly, it's well-lit, it's 
an awesome place to go and kind of do your business and be a great fun nerd. They've got great cool things. They got like they've got a 3D printing thing set up so where you can make little miniatures for your games. Um, they've got game rooms you can rent out. There's obviously all kinds of fun stuff. There's comic books and board games and there's tournaments all the time. There's great prizing. There's more and more stuff happening online with whatnot stores and all kinds of other streaming stuff. Uh, you can hang out with me every Thursday on the whatnot store. Their uh, store name on whatnot is The Adventure. Uh, you check that out. And every Thursday we are doing like a nerdy sell, like just blowing out fun nerdy stuff. This Father's Day weekend, they're going to have a big, big sale. Um, and yeah, there's just a lot coming up. There's a lot going on. So everyone's really excited. And it's a great place to go and be a nerd. And now I work there. So come say hi to me. I'm up at the stadium on the sports side most days. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. We'll, I'll, I'll talk you into buying some stuff. They have a lot of interesting, sure. like, I didn't realize comic books still make cards. Like, Marvel has several sets. DC has several sets. And I've, um, I, I've, are they going to hit me with, like, a, 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 a Marvel set, but they're like, get a chunk of Wolverine's claw. <laughs> That would be cool. Uh, I know a lot of the Chase stuff, like the one-of-one type stuff for the comic books, is sketch cards that artists have drawn on. And they use, I'm going to say, like lower-tier artists, artists that I know and have worked with and done some things with on like Facebook and stuff. And I've seen a lot of those like pictures as they go out. There's some cool-looking cards in those packs. Um, all that being said, I want to thank everybody for listening, for hanging out, and for rounding up another weekend. Uh, when you're done with us, go ahead and just tell the boss you're done for the week. It is Friday, uh, almost noon now. It's actually afternoon now, so go ahead and just clock out and go home. Start your weekend. As always, this has been Nerds Thug Radio. I'm Corey DLG with me as usual is little brother Nico. And we want to thank everybody uh, for, and we hope everyone had a wonderful May. And we want to wish everyone a great summer as we kick off the rest of the year right here at Nerd Thug Radio. Mm-hmm.